About 12 months ago, I wrote a blog post intended to create conversation around the convergence of four significant trends that I believed could have a huge impact on the communications industry in the next two to five years. Now, it created quite a lot of discussion at the time, and some people called me a drama queen, which is difficult to deny given the nature of the post. But it was a dialogue I welcomed having, and it informed much of the content at Digital Download Live last year. Now, a lot has changed in the year since I wrote that post, so I thought it'd be useful to revisit the four trends I outlined in that to see whether there was any substance to the argument or whether it was all just attention-seeking pomposity. So in today's show, I'm going to do just that with the aim of answering two questions. Has communications become more challenging in the last year? And is a PR apocalypse still on the horizon? This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. So where do I start with this? Well, the post I wrote last year outlined four key trends that I was observing. Those were the rise and impact of fake news, a potential bubble bursting around influencers, the increasing difficulty of gaining visibility of content, and the threat of artificial intelligence. Now, the post was never intended as a prediction as such. It was an observation of those four trends coming together and gathering pace, and of how, if we fail to address them, they could potentially come together to form a perfect storm over the PR and the communications industry. I called these four threats the four horsemen of the PR apocalypse hence the drama queen tag. So I'm going to go through each one to look at what's happened in the last year, or not, and whether my argument still stacks up. So let's start with the first horseman, which is fake news. Last week I conducted a poll on Twitter to find out whether people thought the environment around fake news had got better or worse in the last year. Now nearly half said they thought it had got worse, and only one in three people thought it had got any better. Now, there's a big clue to why things have perhaps got worse if you look at the 2019 Edelman Trust Barometer. In that report, Edelman says that trust has changed profoundly in the past year. People have shifted their trust to the relationships they have within their control, most notably their employers. The comparisons in this report are quite revealing. 75% of people say that they trust their employer to do what is right, only 47% people trust the media to do what's right, and only 56% of people trust business in general, so sort of corporate messages. It goes on to say that three quarters of people are worried about fake news being used as a weapon, and 58% of people say that they look to their employer to be a trustworthy source of information on, on issues. Now, the trust issue is very complex. On the face of it, trust has rebounded quite a bit from where it was in 2018, but it differs significantly when you look at different channels. Trust in the traditional media is pretty static, around 60%, but when you consider it was down at 48% just two years ago, there's a big improvement there. Trust in search engines and owned media has rebounded after significant drops in 2018, 
And perhaps the anomaly really is that social media, trust in social media, is, is now its highest in four years, which is very surprising. But having said that, the figure for that is 29%. You compare that to search ends, for example, and it's 55%. And it shows that trust in social media is still very low. It points really towards the fact that marketers should be looking at spaces that they can control, like websites and emails and podcasts, and building from there. It points to going deeper, not wider, not broadcasting and trying to get to everyone, but focusing on core channels and core audiences. Now, anecdotally, I can say that in my business, I have been getting a lot more inquiries from my website in the last six to nine months than in any time in probably the last sort of four years. I can't say that that is definitely down to this, this trust, this shift in trust, but it seems to be quite a coincidence. Over and above that though, it seems pretty clear to me that fake news is still having a major impact on the communications industry. If people don't trust what they read, no matter where that is, then trying to communicate anything is increasingly difficult for communications people. There were two instances just recently where fake news appears to be, again, having a big impact on society in general. Now, the first was around the Indonesian election. There are big spikes in fake news around this election. So that appears to be a continuing trend. The second is around the Momo viral hoax that was really perpetuated by local news media. Now, this thing had been around for a couple of years or so, and it just got picked up and got bigger and bigger and spread by fear, effectively, by schools and police forces and media who didn't really have a clue about this thing, but kind of took the better safe than sorry angle and started emailing and putting posts out about it and putting it in the news. And it basically went from nothing to a big crisis where parents were getting extremely worried about this thing, all on the back of effectively a completely fake story. So where does this kind of lead marketers then? Well, as well as focusing on owned content, it leads down a route of being increasingly transparent, of, of doing good, of meaningful communications. And that's where this trend of social purpose has sprung up over the last 12 months or so. It's a reaction to all of the fake news that is around. And over the next year or two, it's going to be increasingly important for companies to have some kind of social purpose and some kind of belief that people can get behind. On balance, when I look at what's happened over the last year, I think the environment around fake news is getting worse. I don't see many brands and companies really trying to tackle it, and it remains a big threat for me. Now, the second horseman was a potential decline in influencer marketing. I outlined that if brands weren't seeing any return on influencer marketing, then they were less likely to pay for it. Now, that in turn would lead to less influencers, so competition among those who are actually influential was likely to go up. That would increase the cost of sponsored campaigns and in turn, probably less brands would be willing or able to pay for that. The outcome of all that would be that the cost of true influence was going to be too high for most marketers. Now, has that come about? Well, not yet, but I think we're on the road to it. To get a better look at this, I contacted Scott Guthrie, who is my go-to person for influencer marketing, and I spoke to him back in Season 2, Episode 7 of the podcast. 
Now, Scott agrees with me that we are probably still at the early stages of an influencer bubble. He says there may well be a correction fueled by the media's confusion of advertising, influencer advertising and influencer marketing, and partly by the need to demonstrate an ROI. Now, if that happens, the less scrupulous and less professional influencers, what Scott calls banjo influencers, the bang out another job, may well find their gravy train has hit the buffers. Now, this backs up that process I wrote about last year. And anecdotally, I can say that from speaking to a few people I knew who work in influencer circles, that demand has started to drop a little for their services. As Scott says, there is a bit of a media backlash against influencer marketing, which always really happens when something becomes popular. We like to build it up and knock it down. And there's no doubt at the moment that influencer marketing is approaching what Gartner calls the peak of inflated expectations. There's a lot of confusion between influencer marketing and influencer advertising, and it's the latter of those that is getting a lot of the bad publicity, the Fire Festival being the prime example. Now, that itself has been an interesting case study, because if you look at the Fire Festival, 95% of the tickets from that sold out within 48 hours. That was in, driven entirely by influencers. The people who are really behind influencer marketing would absolutely hold that up and say it's a brilliant example of how influencers can work. And it's difficult to argue against that. But on the flip side, those influencers involved in that didn't really know what they were selling. There was very little in the way of disclosure on some of their posts. They put out some brilliant marketing, but missold something that they didn't even understand. It's an example of influential people taking money to promote something, and that is influencer advertising. Influencer marketing is a much more involved process where companies and brands work alongside influencers over a sustained period, over sustained campaigns. But even then, there is still a lack of understanding of how to evaluate influence and how to measure campaigns at the end. And until that's resolved, it's very difficult to see this bubble not continuing to grow and then eventually bursting. Now, a lot of marketers have already been burned by influencer marketing. Again, Scott says that communicators are magpies. We love a shiny new discipline or channel and rush in to use it without really understanding the methodology behind it and of how to make the most of it. So communications people have worked with influencers on ill thought through campaigns that fail to produce results. They then blame the channel and are then reluctant to embrace it. It's all part of this process that I outlined in this post last year. With influencer marketing, I absolutely stand by what I said 12 months ago, and I think we're going to see a correction in the next year or two. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, or even if you're not, Digital Download Live takes place in May this year in London. This is the third year it'll be run, and it's going to be a fantastic day of presentations, audience-led Q&As, and interactive workshops. Digital Download Live is not one of those conferences where you go and sit passively in a huge auditorium listening to people talk for six hours. You'll meet like-minded individuals, you'll discuss ideas and opinions, and you'll get your hands dirty in highly practical sessions. This year we're covering topics including the conflict between technology and humanity in marketing, voice marketing through smart speakers, authority link building, AI tools for communications people, paid social media, Instagram creativity, and brand transparency. 
For more information and booking details, go to ddl19.co.uk. That's ddl19.co.uk. I hope to see you there. On to the third horseman then, which is content visibility. Now, back in that post, I said that Facebook is prioritising friends content and pages were struggling to get traction on the platform. I outlined that the traditional news media is predicted to be all but dead by 2020. I outlined that online news was struggling to create an effective business model. And then you've got things like TV and radio moving to on demand. So where do you get visibility as a communicator for your messages if all this is happening? Now, let's take the first of those points, which is around social media. I spoke to Chris Blackwood in season four, episode one of the podcast about Facebook specifically and about how engagement on the platform has declined by 50 percent in the last 12 months. Reach across Facebook is declining significantly or continuing to decline significantly. And it's only a matter of time, really, where you look at Instagram and say, well, the same thing will happen. At the moment, brands are able to get a fairly decent organic reach on Instagram, but it's only a matter of time before that algorithm cuts in in the same way it's done for Facebook because of the same reasons. And the same is probably true of LinkedIn. Again, LinkedIn at the moment is a really good platform for business to business marketers. But the more people use it, the more competition there is for space, the harder that algorithm has to work. So in a general sense, I'd say over the last 12 months, visibility across social networks has become a lot tougher for brands and companies. Now, let's take a look at the news media. A few years ago, there was a statistical analysis done of circulations for national newspapers, and it showed that by the year 2020, most would probably be going out of business. What I've done is taken the circulation figures from January 2019 and mapped those against that statistical analysis. And actually, it holds up extremely well. Over the last year, for example, circulations of traditional print newspapers are down right across the board by between about 4% and 18% in 12 months. The Daily Mail is down by 7%, The Sun by 9%, The Telegraph by 6%, The Times by 5%, The Guardian is down by 7% and now has a circulation of just 141,000. Now that is not sustainable for any sort of print newspaper. When you look at the figures, I don't think it is unreasonable at all to expect the likes of The Guardian, The Financial Times, The Telegraph, The Express, The Times, all to go out of print in the next 12 to 18 months. Now, I know there's a strong argument to say, well, that doesn't matter because all of the news is just going online. The trends are kind of reflected online as well from what we can see. Now, the data is very fragmented because it's across a lot of different areas and it's also very hard to come by. But there's no doubt that it is declining. If you look at the Mail Online, for example, the daily average unique browser users of the Mail Online is down by 4%. Now, that falls fairly in line with the declining circulation to the newspapers. And when you take into account that other than probably The Guardian, online news is struggling to make any sort of business model, it's a pretty bleak picture. Now, where this is leading to for the communications industry is paid amplification. Over the last 12 months or so, I have had more and more inquiries about help with paid social media, Google ads 
and content amplification. And it's a hugely growing area for the communications industry. We're a bit late to it, but now it is becoming something that is pretty critical to get content visibility. Yes, you can do campaigns without any paid media behind them, but if you really want to have an impact behind stuff, paid media is now an absolutely critical part of what we do. Now, going back to my original post last year where I outlined this decline in visibility, one thing I think is really positive to see is that the industry is reacting to that and we are starting to take paid media very seriously and we are starting to put budgets towards that. So does it still remain a threat then? Well, yes, I'd argue it does. If social media reach is going to fall through the floor like it's continuing to, if print newspapers go out of circulation, if digital news is not really gaining as much traction as they would like, then yes, the visibility of the content we need to get out there is going to suffer. But on the positive side, at least we are doing something about it now. So the final horseman then, and an elephant in the room, which is artificial intelligence. On episode two of season four of the podcast, I spoke to Katie King about artificial intelligence and where it has got to now and how things have changed. So it's worth going back to listen to that episode. But in brief, the conversation has changed over the last 12 months. I think there is now an acceptance that artificial intelligence is going to impact the workplace and our industry, whereas perhaps 12 months ago there wasn't. People were hiding away from that fact. But it's still very early days. Katie says, as an industry, we're still trying to get to grips with it. It is creeping up the agenda, but there's not much implementation yet. And I have to totally agree with that from what I see. There is much less scepticism around AI now, but very few people are actually applying it in their jobs. I believe that's because people just don't know where to turn. It's kind of a hidden thing. It's not impacted us just yet. And so we're really not getting to grips with it. I asked Katie if it was all just hype, and she said, well, there has been a lot of hype for the past few years, but people do need to consider where they want their company to be in the future. Now, that's because of all of the machine learning that is coming through and all the tools that we can get hold of. Machine learning tools will make us more productive and more efficient, and the companies that don't adopt those are going to get left behind. The biggest area that I'm seeing this having a real impact is in voice recognition, and that's going to bleed through to the communications industry extremely quickly. Last year, Google debuted Google Duplex, which works through the Google Assistant and is able to make phone calls for people. Now, it brings together natural language understanding, deep learning and text to speech all into one extremely powerful system. And this system is now starting to roll out in America. I'm going to play a clip from their conference. Now, this is the Google Assistant making a telephone call to book a hair appointment with no input from the user. Hello, happening out here. Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like. What service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? 
The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. Now, I find this just astounding. I've seen it so many times and I still find it astounding. What I love about the way this system works is that it is able to understand the nuances of conversation. It reacts to what is being said in real time and it even inputs humanisms like a mm-hmm in places. The person on the other end of the phone had no idea, no idea whatsoever that they were talking to a robot. Now, you might think that's an extreme case, and how is that going to impact my day job? Well, voice recognition systems are coming along so fast. Smart speakers are in an increasing number of homes up and down the country, and in some we have more than one or two of them. And that is going to impact things like search. How do people find your brand? Well, they're going to start finding it through voice searching. That in itself is something that we have to get to grips with. Going back to content visibility, well, okay, we're going to have to start using paid a lot more, but maybe we need to start looking at other things like voice recognition in terms of getting visibility for our content. So let's try and sum this up then. Going back to what I said at the start, I wanted to try and answer two questions. Firstly, has communications become more challenging in the last year? Now, I ran another Twitter poll, and admittedly it is a very small sample size, not statistically significant in any way shape or form but 47% of people said that they thought communications has become more challenging over the last 12 months because of all these issues I've outlined. The other 53% said it's about the same. No one said it had become easier and to be frank if anyone had said it become easier I'd have to question their sanity a bit. So effectively half of communicators are finding the job tougher than a year ago. Now, I think it's because of all these developments and this story that I outlined a year ago. It's fake news becoming more and more prevalent. There's a bigger challenge around influencers and how we use influencers. And it's more difficult to get visibility of content. The one area where I think I'm probably a bit too far ahead at the moment is artificial intelligence. But that's because it just hasn't seeped through to the day jobs just yet. But that will happen in the next two to three years. Now, what underpins a lot of this for me is the issue of trust. People aren't trusting what they read so much anymore. Corporate messages are not so well received. We have a big problem with influencers at the moment because of the negative publicity that that's receiving. And on top of that, you have the distrust of advertising. So where does that leave us then if we having to use paid media forms in order to get our messages out there to people? So the second question then, is a PR apocalypse still on the horizon? Well, yes. I know it sounds melodramatic and I'm not really suggesting that the bottom of the industry is going to fall out in the next year. But I do believe that these four areas are still very valid and we're still not doing enough work to combat them. The influencer bubble will burst in the next year or two. Artificial intelligence will start to seep through to our day jobs and impact the way we do things. A lot of the news media is going to go out of business and then we're still doing very little to tackle fake news. So I think over the last year, there are signs that we are starting to react to some of this stuff. 
but I still don't think we are doing enough. We need to pay more attention to these areas. I don't have the answers and I'm not suggesting for a second that I do, but there are a lot of smart people out there working on each of these individual areas and we just need to listen to them and work together. Thank you so much for tuning into this show. I seriously appreciate every single person who listens and I would dearly love to hear your opinions on anything I've outlined in today's show. You can tweet me or email me or contact me on LinkedIn. I'd love to talk to you about it. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Google Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've got any ideas for future topics you'd like to see covered or people you'd like to hear from, contact me on Twitter where I'm at the Paul Sutton. Thank you for listening.